This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Reds slide the foot there. It's Wednesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 79 of the APZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and joining me this week, as always it is, Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. New year, new me. Not the case with Aberdeen. New year, same old shit. Exactly. Happy New Year to all of you joining us once again here on the ABZ FP. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we're going to take a look back over Monday's miserable nil-nil draw at home to Ross County. We'll preview the visit of St. Johnston to Pulidry on Saturday in the company of the one and only Stuart Cosgrove as the pressure certainly begins to grow and grow on Mr. Jim Michael Goodman. But first, Aberdeen nil. Ross County now Monday, the 2nd of January, 2023, the SPFL Premiership, Pataudry Stadium. A new year and a new lineup for Jim Goodwin as he made three changes to the team who were well beaten in Ayrshire last time out. Anthony Stewart returning from suspension, Leighton Clarkson and Christian Ramirez all coming into the side as the Dons reverted to a 4-2-3-1 formation with Connor Barron. And Ryan Duncan starting on the bench with Jack McKenzie out of the matchday squad altogether. Johnny Hayes also making his return to the bench on Monday as well. The Dons lining up with a front four of Kennedy on the right, Duke on the left. And strangely, Christian Ramirez playing in the number 10 role behind Bojan Miofsky. And in contrast to the last few games, the Dons did start this one relatively brightly. Duke with a header over the bar after just four minutes before Miofsky nearly latched onto a long ball, but Laidlaw did well to come out and clear with his head from outside the box. Ramirez with a shot straight at Laidlaw from 20 yards after some decent link-up play by Clarkson Kennedy and Miofsky defeat him before Kennedy. Probably should have done better, let's be honest, on 27 minutes. Duke's effort was palmed out to the Don's number 33, but his goal-bound effort was blocked on the line by Yakubiti. There's no, there's no probably about it. No, I don't think so. A long-range effort from Clarkson held by Laidlaw in 34 minutes before the game then drifted aimlessly towards halftime with the sides. Goalless and into the second half, much of a muchness, the Dons dominating possession and territory, but struggling to really create anything in the way of clear-cut chances. The Ramirez number 10 experiment was thankfully ended on 63 minutes as the American made way for Johnny Hayes. And the Dons shifted to a 4-3-3, but little changed. Miofsky with an acrobatic overhead kick attempt on 70 minutes that flashed wide before a proper good old goal-mouse dramash on 73 minutes with Miofsky, Kennedy and Duke all denied by the white-shirted Highlanders in their box. 
the Dons responded by bringing on Baron and Bajewin for Clarkson and Miofsky in a slightly odd move to have brought off both of your recognised number nines in a game that you're crying out for a goal in. The Dons shifting back into a 4-2-3-1 after just 10 minutes in a 4-3-3, this time with Duke leading the line. Bajewin did well to create some space for himself, but Kennedy's pass into him was delayed, allowing Ross County to block before Bajewin should have done better on 82 minutes where Bajan should have done better on 82 minutes as he got onto Hayes cross at the back post but somehow failed to convert from a couple of yards out as Laidlaw collapsed on top of the ball. McCrory drove an effort over the bars. Time slipped away before Ryan Duncan, introduced as a late sub for Kennedy, blazed over from inside the box with the last chance of the game as County grabbed the point they came for. Very much apparent from the opening minute the County were happy to take a nil-nil. The Highlanders now unbeaten in their last six against Aberdeen, the Dons' last win over the Staggies, coming all the way back in December 2020. Of course, that now means the Dons, with no wins in our five matches since returning from the World Cup break, only one point from the 15 available as we slip further behind Hearts. The Dons now fourth on 26 points, five behind Hearts, who now have a game in hand. Perhaps more tellingly or more worryingly, we're now only seven points above the relegation playoff place. And with the joint worst form in the league, there needs to be some change of fortunes quickly before our season degenerates into something akin to last season, it's fair to say. In terms of the hashtag data, possession 56% to the home side, 44% to the away side. Total shots 24 to Aberdeen to 7 for Ross County, 7 on target for Aberdeen, 1 on target for Ross County and expected goals of 2.07 to Aberdeen, 0.44 for the visitor. So Gav, uh, we're just about twenty four hours removed now, or from 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 the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. You're just your general thoughts, I suppose, just on the performance yesterday afternoon. I mean, the general thought is that, to be honest, yesterday I wasn't really even that fussed about the performance going into the game. Um, just wanted a result by any means necessary. If that was, if that meant, you know, a, a Boyanmiowski overhead kick from an impossible angle going into the top corner, or a ball bouncing off of, you know a Ross County defender into the back of the net, then would have taken it. Um, obviously, we haven't got the results. And then when you look at that, you then take the overall performance into into account. And, you know, I, I thought it was a bright start. Um, I, I didn't mind the shape that we went with. Um, some of the personnel involved in the shape, that's a different matter altogether. But we'll, we, we'll come on to that. Talk about that soon, I'm sure. Um, it was just, the frustration was that it's a game where Ross County come and set up in a very similar way that Aberdeen did when we played Celtic at Pitot recently. Just, you know, 11 men behind the ball. No real strategy of how to attack us. But it's the antithesis of Celtic in that I, the more and more the game went on, the more I'm thinking, right, we're just not going to score here. And some of these substitutions that were made to try and positively affect the game, very, very questionable um, all round. Once again, disappointment um, is the is the feeling said it a million times but if we want to be at the top end of the league be third place you have to win your games at home and especially against teams that are bottom of the league in in terrible form so ultimately not good enough and yeah very very disappointed you touched on it a minute ago the change in shape it's what we all wanted we were crying out for a change away from the back three we got that a welcome change it's fair to say um and i think we look better for it Mm -hmm. which is starting from a low bar it's fair to say I also don't know if it's because we looked looked a lot more secure um, in defence and had a greater control of midfield. I don't know if that's aided by the fact that Ross County just had no intention of really even playing within our path, seemingly. 
yeah, I think it's probably a bit of both, I think. I think probably more is the fact that Ross County just didn't threaten at all in the entire game. Quite possibly. But I think it did offer us a greater balance, certainly, and it allowed, you know, we've talked about this and that and what the back three does for Stuart and what it does for other players, but it looked to me like that was a team that I've practiced an entire summer in this shape mm-hmm. and everyone knows the role far more comfortably within that shape. So the, the switch to the formation, the the kind of 4-2-3-1, I think it was, which I thought would become a 4-4-2 over possession, that didn't happen. That was a problem. Yeah. But from a defensive perspective, as I say, just giving us more control of the midfield. Yeah, no issues from, from, from me. So the change of shape, fine. At least it appears as though Goodwin is either A, listening to people or has realised that the back three isn't working, one of the two. But the personnel, and you're right in this, and I think when we say about the personnel, it's probably one person, really, is, is who we're talking about here. Christian Jimenez in the number 10. Bizarreness in the extreme. We were joking in the pub before the game when we saw the lineup, and we're kind of scratching our heads thinking, well, what's this going to be? And hypothesizing all these variations of shape and formation and tactics and whatnot. And, you know, you're joking that maybe this is like the final piece in the Jim Goodwin Christian Ramirez love hate relationship. Maybe he's gonna play. Maybe he's gonna play on the, the channel left wing. See what we can do there. Fucking here's your chance, mate. Um, I thought when I saw it, it would be a four four two, or at the very least, Ramirez is in a deeper role for the defensive side. But when we are in possession, he will then kind of join. It becomes a straight two, which I don't think would even really work. Kamiowski Ramirez partnership, but that's a separate matter altogether. Him in the number ten role, the uh, trick artista role. <laughs> the ball the ball playing creative player yeah um not uh not a thing and i think ramirez showed that he's not played a lot of football um i think it showed what i had problems with a lot of times last year when he was still scoring goals but his some of the basics with ramirez are just so lacking it's not even funny and jeff just offered offered up very very little i was surprised to see some people thought that he played well um afterwards on twitter yeah, I, I would like to think as well that that would put to bed any notion that Christian Aminis is is capable of holding the ball up and playing in that sort of like back-to-goal type idea because it just doesn't happen. He can't play that way. We saw it last season. He can't play that way. We saw it again yesterday. He can't do that. Now, this is not saying that Boyamiovsky had a great game by any stretch of the imagination or that he's able to do those things either because I'm not saying that. But this is definitely not in Christian Aminis's strong suit this idea of trying to play with his back to goal, holding the ball up, bringing people into play, or as we saw yesterday, at being asked to play in a number 10 position. And I think I, I tweeted out at the time, I think I tweeted out at halftime that, let's be honest, Ramirez as number 10 is laughable. And I think people took that the wrong way that I was criticising Ramirez. I actually, I've got very little time for Christian Ramirez in terms of his general demeanour and attitude that's been on display since Stephen Glass left the football club. I think it would have been better for everybody concerned if he'd left in the summer, but we are where we are. Um, I actually felt sorry for him yesterday, being asked to play in a position that is just clearly not his game. And it just seemed a very odd decision from the manager. In particular, it's not as though we were scrambling around for players yesterday who could play as a number 10. We had tons of them kicking around yesterday that could have played in that position. You didn't have to make very many personnel changes or tactical shifts to get to a position where you had a player who could play in that position comfortably on the field of play. Yeah, that's that's the matter. I mean, you look, even within the, the 11, I think you could move things around. But, you know, our 
our bench is loaded with um, with players that can uh, provide options in those three positions behind the striker. I think beyond um, Joe Lewis and Jaden Richardson, was Jack Milne on the bench? Jack Milne. Jack was on Besides the bench. that, I think everyone else is an option for any one of the three positions behind the striker. But Jaden Richardson in particular is the one you look at as well. I spoke to you at halftime. I was like, why not put Richardson at right back? Because let's be honest, he shouldn't be getting tested too much defensively here against Ross County no. based on what we saw first half. You could move McCrory up into set of midfield alongside Ramadani and you could move Clarkson up into the number 10 position. You could have easily done that yesterday. It didn't need... You weren't having to... You At no point yesterday did we have to fit a square peg in a round hole. But no, we somehow we, decided to do it anyway. We were not Harry Redknapp hanging out of a car window on transfer deadline day saying that he's down to the bare bones. Absolutely not. I mean, what do you think it's... Uh, uh, what do you think it says? Is that... We, we laughed about it in the pub before the game, but is it an element of that? Of Okay, fine. You want to go here, have a go and show me what you can do. And he'll hook him after 63 minutes and go, see, that's why you're not playing for me. I don't get it. A, a truly bizarre, bizarre decision to play Ramirez in that position. I don't... I don't think it's that, you know, I think we can laugh and joke about it, but I don't think Jim Goodwin is going to effectively sabotage himself by playing a player so incredibly out of position, so much to the detriment of our attacking game, just to prove a point when no one really thinks he would have proven a point anyway. Because I think everyone can see that Ramirez is just not suited. Ramirez hasn't come into the club and said, listen, hey, play me here, I'll, and I'll do this and I'll do that. It's very clear what his game is and what he wants to do. And it's not playing the number 10 role, it's... A bizarre decision. I, it kind of, in the harshest way possible, it kind of feels like a manager scrambling for an, a different idea. Yeah, but not really thinking it through. I don't yeah. know if he just wanted to get another striker on the pitch to give us more of a goal threat, but playing a striker not in a striking role is not going to do that. Yeah, it's just That's... it's just odd. It's it, the thing is, well, Ramirez doesn't doesn't even have the mobility to plays a more deep-lying striker, come in, get the ball, spin it off to the wings, and get into the box in enough time. He's not mobile enough to do that either. He's not quick he's, enough. Well, he's not mobile enough, and he's also not technically gifted enough. No, exactly. So it's not even like he was like coming in, coming deep, doing the donkey work, then really get a burst in our gut to get into the box to, to make something happen or to get on the end of something. Again, it's just not his game. I just, I just, I, I fail to understand just how we've ended up in that position yesterday. I just do not understand that yeah. at um, all. Yeah. Like I say, there, there's there's Barron, there's Clarkson, there's Duncan, there's Bajowin, there's Bajowin. Marley Watkins could play as a ten. Johnny Hayes is on the bench. Um, he didn't look short of fitness. Watkins is on the bench. So many better suited options. It was yeah, just bizarre. Indeed, indeed. Um, Ross County. I mean, they admittedly came for a point. Um, their racist manager admitted so after the game. Oh, by the way, on that one, um. If anyone out there who wants to somehow pick a bone with us about calling out Malky McKay for his racism, you are aware of the fact you're defending racists and therefore you should probably take a good hard look at yourself. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. Um, they came for a point. They execute their game plan, I imagine, just exactly as they hope to do. For all of our possession and all of our territory that we had yesterday, it never really felt to me like we were actually going to score. Um, I, I can't think of Ross Laidlaw making a serious save. No. Yeah, like, I, all, a save where he's really had to be tested to me. Yeah, like, I mean, you could maybe say the Bajowan one that he saves on the goal line, but that's, again, that's kind of like Alex Cochran for hearts. It's Yeah, he kind of just collapses on it. Collapses on it because the ball's got no power on it. And mm -hmm. It should have been a goal, of course, but, you know, yeah. 
you'd expect him to save it given the finish um yeah and beyond that i mean i think a lot of our chances were you know long range efforts that go either well wide or high of the high of the goal yeah that's like i said in the beginning i just i didn't get the sense especially more and more the game went on i just didn't get a sense we were going to win unless we maybe got like a set piece or a penalty yeah and you touched on earlier on let's talk about now the substitutions very odd very bizarre across the the piece and this is not the first time you've said that this season either um ramirez coming off made sense i was amazed he came out after half time to be honest he was poor he can't play the number 10 role that that is what it is but then he took me off ski off who also didn't have a good game yesterday and i'm not saying he did okay just for people out there who want to try and believe that i'm you know shying away from criticizing um people when they don't play well Miofsky didn't have a good game yesterday either but when you're chasing a goal you end up reverting back to one up top as well when you went back to 4-2-3-1 after bringing Miofsky off you're continuing to shell crosses into the box you're continuing to try to play that way bringing both of Ramirez and Miofsky who are our only two recognized number nines in our squad seems entirely baffling again so, of course, when, when Miofsky and Ramirez go off, uh, of course, Duke took the lone striking role. Yeah. And we had a whole bunch of players kind of in and around him at that point. But that's that's okay if there's then going to be a change in the strategy Yeah, in attack. If it's more about getting the ball in and around the box and try and make like one-twos or link up the play, maybe get the ball in behind the centre-backs. But that's not going to work because the county didn't give us any kind of space to get the ball in behind the centre-backs. It's a peculiar decision when you think the game plan persisted as it had been all game, which was get the ball out wide. Seemingly, the game plan was to hit massively overhit crosses at any available <laughs> opportunity or, or, or pull the, them or, behind strikers or the first man, whatever you want to do, just anything but put it where the uh, attackers were. It's, it reminded me a little bit of, I think I mentioned it, kind of the dying embers of the dead at Beginnisiera where substitutions were not even necessarily like for like, but you know weren't changing much yeah, weren't changing yeah. it weren't implementing anything that can actually have, have a positive effect on the game in terms of a change it was just putting different bodies on and trying the same thing and hoping a different result would come and it just never did i mean you're not going to get anything when you're getting balls swung in the box and vinnie bajowin's in there yeah who's dwarfed by ray mysterio jr it's just not gonna <laughs> yeah. happen exactly i mean we, we do finally get create a chance you know johnny hayes finally drives a, a low cross in which Bajowin nearly does get on the back of at the back post. But that was, for me, that was like the only time we even tried to do that after we went with, with those substitutions. We were still swinging high crosses into the box. And Yakoviti like and Watson, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, the other side half, they're just going to nod those away for fun all afternoon. I mean, they were they were doing it with Miofsky and Ramirez on because neither of these guys are battering Ram number nines either. Well, also, but, Laidlaw's a big goalkeeper. He was coming and yeah. claiming a lot of stuff. You yeah. know, it's just... Maybe we're too used to having Kilrus and goal in training. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Who knows? Um, that's, a, that's a theory for you right there. There you go. It's becoming a more and more recurring theme again, though, isn't it? The Goodwin substitutions and tactical acumen is really lacking in terms of being able to change the way a game is going. I think for all the talk of he wanted in the summer to have more attacking options, so we had things to, so we had players to turn to in the 70th minute 60th minute of a game like that for me he's not using those changes nearly as well as he could do and um, i think we're i think we're still leaving things too late i think you could see the way the game was going and we weren't making 
you know, it's not like we were battering them in the second half and it was just a matter of time. It was something like 65 minutes, I think, before we made like any real change. Like Ryan Duncan comes on with like four or five minutes left to go. When it's so clear what Ross County's game plan is, especially, yeah, I think you can take, you know, a Ramadani off or you can take a more defensive minded player and just overload their overload their box with something different rather as i say than just persisting and you know there's also times like the players have to take responsibility it was times we had really good opportunities we just we made a bad decision or a pass was behind the player rather than in front of them oh the timing was wrong we were making wrong decisions and just yeah or like you say like the guy gets to the byline and he pulls it behind everyone rather than putting in front it's just yeah a collectively overall just a very disappointing game like i said yeah i don't think i mean but it is it is a major concern though again isn't it around the fact that there doesn't seem to be this ability to look at doing something different and changing no. a game positively um and, and to be fair this is not you know this is something we've seen persistently now from Aberdeen managers for a while you know you touched on it Derek mckinnis dying embers i mean you say the dying embers i i, I kind of thought that a lot of Derek mckinnis's substitutions generally speaking across the board even when we were successful were very much like for like, we keep playing the same way. It just it didn't really have that much of an impact because we were in the, in the early stages. We were generally dominating teams and winning games, so it kind of didn't matter that we kept on doing the same thing. Stephen Glass showed really early doors. He had this ability to do in-game management and positive changes, and then that suddenly disappeared very well, quickly. That, yeah, that was that was gone within a month. Yeah, which was very odd because again, it was something I think we all liked because it was the antithesis of what we've seen under the certainly in the dying um days of the Derek McInnes era but then it disappeared and and Goodwin just doesn't seem to be able to do it either um I mean I do wonder you know I, I go back to when we spoke to or when you spoke to Lee Scott you know they highlighted Cal Roberts in particular as being a player who we brought in because he had something different about him in terms of his ability to potentially pick a pass and unlock a defense in a kind of game like yesterday where teams are playing with a low block where they are giving you no space in, in behind. So you need somebody who can come in and play a, a, a tricky pass or can find a, can drop a shoulder somehow, create a bit of space for himself, finish something. You know, maybe we're, maybe we're just unfortunate a little bit that we're lacking, you know, a player like Cal Roberts out of the team. He's just not there. But then I look at, I look at somebody like Leighton Clarkson and that's where I get back to the idea about playing him slightly further advanced, I think, than in the, in the defensive two of the midfield setup. Uh, in a game like yesterday I was just about to name drop Leighton Clarkson in yeah. that if you know that's what we want then uh, and I thought Leighton Clarkson had a had a good game against uh, against County um, thought he did really well with Ramadani in the centre but yeah you can easily bring Connor McCrody Connor McCrody Connor McCrody you can easily bring Connor Bannon on or like if we can bring Jane Richardson get a little bit of extra pace wide, wide bring McCrory into the centre which wouldn't have been a bad shout either you know you get a big overlap on the right hand side you know, there could have been some opportunities there. And like I say, you, you can still get McCrory forward in a central position to either yeah. get his head on something or make a late run. And yes, yeah, you then get Clarkson uh, into that number 10 knowing he is capable of finding those those passes in those um, constricted areas. So yeah, I understand that's why Cal Roberts was signed. We haven't seen it yet because he's not been fit. But like I say, like there, there are options there to do things different with the personnel we had yeah. against Ross County. Even just in terms of the weird thing where we suddenly went four three three for ten minutes and then flipped back to four two three one, I just I find stuff like that really bizarre. Just to watch that happen. Yeah, was that one? Uh, that was that one. Duke, Miofsky, and Hayes became a. Yes, they became a three. Yeah, kind of when a three Ramirez went off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, it's just say about that. Yeah. odd. I just don't get it. I don't think, I think we touched on it earlier on, I don't think you could necessarily fault much of the application from the team on Monday. I think that the majority were put in a shift and were trying, but you touched on it earlier on. There was a real lack of composure in terms of mm-hmm. final ball decision-making. I think that there was an opportunity not long after Bajeron came on. Matt Kennedy was driving at the Ross County defence. Bajeron was in acres of space outside him. Kennedy just held on the ball for like one or two seconds too long before releasing it to Bajeron. And as soon as he did it, there was like two county players over to him to block the shot. If he'd passed it, when the pass was on, there was a much better opportunity there. There was well, it's that as well, and that he also the pass was was a terrible pass. It was a terrible pass. It was as like well, it was yeah. behind Bajem, so he's then got to be reactive rather than proactive. Yeah, exactly. There was one. Was it McCrory made a run down the right hand final final few minutes of the game? Yeah, yeah, the final real chance when McCrory does so so well, and it's just you know head up, a little bit of composure, take a breath and play it across to I think Ducor Hayes, and instead he sort of yeah. doesn't know what he's doing and ends up just not really doing anything. Yeah, it was really weird because I remember turning to Graham at the time being like, it felt to me he did the hard part by winning the ball in the 50-50 mm-hmm. in the middle of the park, driving on. All he had to do was just, it was a relatively straightforward 10, 15-yard pass. I think it does, it looks like a side now who are completely devoid of any sort of confidence. It's amazing what a run of results like this can do to a team. It's also, I mean, concerningly for me, it looks like quite a, quite a fractured side. Mm. I noticed a lot more sort of outward displays of frustration towards one another mm-hmm. when things were breaking down than perhaps um earlier in the season so um that's pressure yeah, though, I, isn't it that's, that's pressure, pressure and that leads to the dressing room or people looking at one another saying finding you know scapegoats or whatever it's yeah it's all looking just a little from top to bottom it's all looking very fragmented and disjointed and yeah i'm i'm not i, I just felt that a win yesterday was would have gone some way to, to solving that but instead like we said the pressure is growing and i'm sure that i mean the jim Gooden was asked about this in his post-match but the players noticed it as well that the the fans are really really not happy and that'll only continue yeah let's we'll comment on that in a second again after the game again once again goodwin's post-match press conference leaves me i'll i'll obviously let you speak for yourself gavin this one somewhat bewildered as to whether or not he can whether he actually grasps the expectation of what being manager of Aberdeen Football Club is all about. Because to try and say that a nil-nil draw against objectively the worst team in the league was a positive because it simply stopped the run of defeats and that he could also take positives out of all of the games post the World Cup break, except for Kilmarnock, seemed like an exceptionally odd take. Or to certainly to publicise it at a point where the supporter really started to question whether you've actually got the minerals to, to see this job through. Minerals minerals the credentials the credentials testicular fortitude um the cojones the cojones or the uh, ovaries yeah absolutely absolutely we don't discriminate on this show nope um and i think back to what you said i can i think i think you saw this at the end of the game um when he sort of faced up to the supporters <laughs> which i can you know in some way like credit and other times i'm just a bit like well Maybe just head down, get yeah. out of here. Um, why don't we just go full, go full hog? Do what like Jurgen Klopp did when they drew two two with West Brom and just get the entire playing staff it'd be like a wave. Um, I can understand a manager wanting to protect his players, which I think is what he did. I think he shooed some of the players away from the support at the end of the game yesterday, and kind of taking it. That's I don't have an issue with that per se, but it's another day where yeah, a lot of the 
things that he said afterwards make you feel that he's still of the mindset that he's managing no disrespect intended a sit mirror where a result of that is not the worst thing that's going to happen to you um i think i think there are positives that we can take from ross county like i say i think that the defense was a lot more solid and i thought the shape was better and i thought we did control the midfield but ultimately that's those things don't really matter and how much of that though was because i know i know ross county didn't come and play they didn't yeah they didn't absolutely and, us. and you know like i say they for anyone that's touting Malky Mackay for the Aberdeen gig in a hypothetical world <laughs> he came and set Ross Kenny up in the same way that we played against Celtic so um and that's Ross Kenny playing a very very mid Aberdeen team so that'll, that's what you would get in that hypothetical world they yeah Ross Kenny executed their game plan pretty much perfectly um and I do think that but I do still think that you know I've seen games where teams have done that and still found a way to overrun us in midfield or make mm. the game more uncomfortable than Ross County did. So I think there are positives, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, I think, I think most people like me wanted the results more than anything else yesterday. I, I, I think the result yesterday, right. Not being funny about it. Like I touched on it. I don't know, Ross County are now unbeaten in six games against us. Um, that's a sign. I think more about where we've been in the last couple of seasons than anything else, but it's a fact that is out there. We've seen Ross County come and do a job on us before when we've been playing well, in fairness. Um, and we seem to struggle in Dingwall quite a bit a lot of the time. But I, I think the result yesterday, a nil-nil draw at home to Ross County when they are bottom of the league is is not is obviously not great. I think the fact of the matter is, though, that given the run of form we've been on and how poor we've been since the World Cup break, it just heightens it, doesn't it? You Could, could you draw nil-nil against Ross County in a season where you're flying? Of course you could. Absolutely, you could. It might be a game where you just you're just not quite at it, and they come and do what they did yesterday, and they get away with a nil-nil draw, and that's what happens. But that result doesn't look as bad in inverted commas if you've beaten Rangers two-one a couple of weeks ago, and if you've gone to St Mirren and won, and if you've not had a shit-the-bed performance at Rugby Park the game before. That's the problem, isn't it? It's a mm-hmm. contextual thing. Is that yeah. yeah? In the run of the games we're on, that was just another example of this is just not working. It's it's not the kind of game that on its own merit makes me think that we need to press the nuclear button. And when you add it onto the pile, um since the World Cup especially, it's 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 still my mindset is still very much that if we're gonna make a change, we can make the change now. Yeah. Um rather than leave this for until like the semi-final, we see what happens then. By the, by that point, half of the transfer window is gone. Yeah. Well, my view coming into this game was this this was a must-win game for him. He had to win this game. Um because of the run, because of the context of the run we're on. I don't think it was necessarily in that frame of mind. And you know, we're recording this at roughly three o'clock on fucking hell, what day is it? Tuesday. Tuesday. Um I imagine that if any if there was any kind of truth to the this was a must-win game from message from people um behind the scenes, I think we would have heard something by now. I just think at the end of the day, we, we're just we're in a really difficult situation right now. There's questions being asked, and the only way to answer those games is is with results and with better performances. And you know, I think we're gonna. My gut feeling is that the board are gonna stick with him through this. And if they're gonna do that, I just repeat what I said before: they need to back him with with very real transfers. Well, he certainly didn't seem to be overly concerned, did he, about his future in the press conferences yesterday? Nope. Um, which you know does potentially lead to the situation like you say where it feels as though he's already been told he's he's safe um 
but who knows how long that lasts for because this run of form that we're on at the moment and we're coming on to St. Johnson preview in a minute or two, um, it can only persist for so long before a serious decision has to be made because like I touched on earlier on, we're only seven points above the relegation playoff place mm-hmm. at this moment in time. Um, and I know that some people, you know, there was a lot of people a few weeks ago that we're still third and we're in a League Cup semi-final in in just what over in just over two weeks time we could be easily sitting in the bottom half of the table on the back end of a humiliating semi-final defeat and where does that suddenly leave you you know on the run of form we're on at the moment it's it's it it reminds me a lot about last season to be honest um but also we could smash the johnston yeah we could smash rangers and then everything everything changes yeah i i I agree with you about that but let's be honest with you touched on it earlier on there's definitely signs now that the support has properly turned though, isn't it? It's, this is not just a vocal minority on social media. When you look at the reaction at full time now. Well, of those that were left. Yeah, of those that were left, yes. <laughs> it was the same with the travelling sport at Kilmarnock, and I do think that it's very... When you lose the support in today's game, it's difficult to get them back, Yeah, regardless of what you do. Um, but if he's going to be here, if, as I, I repeat it, the board need to back him. And the way that he can go about regaining the fans' faith and getting the Jim Goodwin's Army Army chant back up again is to go and win the next two games. Indeed. But do you feel that's going to happen? This all feels very inevitable, doesn't it? Um, Well, we'll talk about St. Johnston in a moment and we'll we'll save my feelings for Rangers for another time. Okay. But this is... It's becoming a concern for me because this has been a shocking run of form. It sees us now very much on the cusp of having gift wrap third spot to hearts pretty much already which seems pretty galling to be honest i mean they're what now five points ahead of us they've got a game in hand we traveled to Tincastle the midweek after the league cup semi-final huge game if we go down there and we don't take anything from that game for me that will be basically third spot done and dusted i think and you just provide hearts with another golden opportunity to go and make some cash and kind of set themselves up for the future, I guess, as being certainly the the third, the third force in Scottish football from a financial perspective, if nothing else, unless our board are willing to somehow bridge the gap between what we should be potentially bringing back in via European football uh, versus what we will be. Anyway, let's move on. Well, we move on. Okay, let's do that. I, I didn't bother doing a poll yesterday. I think it was pretty obvious who this was going to end up being, but Gav, you're topped on. Oh, for yesterday? For yesterday, yes. Oh, it was Calrus. Do you want to venture a serious suggestion, Gav, or? I don't know what you're implying by that. Okay, Calrus. I, lo- I loved Calrus's toss the ball to Liam Scales, pass the ball oh, to Liam Scales. We didn't, we didn't talk about that. Pass it back to Calrus and then shell the ball. I, I, I'm all about that strategy. What was that all about? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's strange. Um, serious. Um, yeah, I thought Ramadani absolutely bossed it yesterday. Um, more like the Ramadani that we first saw. So almost as though playing a 4-2-2-1 might help him as well, isn't it? Um, yeah, and it also helps if he like finds like red shirts with his passes. <laughs> and uh, for me, it's as clear as day it was Elba Ramadani. I thought he was brilliant yesterday. She was much more um, like himself, uh, both without the ball and with the ball. And I thought he tried as best as he could to drive us forward and raise the standards and, you know, give us a chance to win. So 10 out of 10 performance as far as I'm concerned. Excellent. Good stuff. Let's move on, shall we? So on to, well, there's no major news from the club this week, which means 
we can move straight onto Loan Watch. And in terms of Loan Watch, some updates from the club in terms of a number of loan players um, and, and where their futures are at the moment. That came out on Sunday evening. So Mason Hancock, as had been rumoured, um, has been recalled from our both. He suffered a serious knee injury, so was likely to be out for the rest of the season. So obviously we all wish Mason Hancock well with his rehabilitation back at Cormac Park. Kevin Hanratty also recalled from Forth Athletic. He made 16 appearances for the Loons this season. Hasn't played an awful lot in recent weeks, so I don't know what happened there, whether he gets another loan move out to somewhere in League 2. Felt like he's made a lot of substitute appearances. Yeah, he has indeed. Aaron Reid, whose permanent move to Aberdeen from Tara became official on the 1st of January. He was then immediately loaned out to Elgin City for the remainder of the season, and we'll come on to him in a minute or two. And then Kian Nguenya, his loan at Wraith Rovers, has also been confirmed as being extended <laughs> to the end of the season. That is ABZFP breakout star, Kieran Nguenya. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, well, mine, I think. I don't think it was anyone else. Uh, no, I, I, I put him down as well. Did you? Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. What do we know? Um, so on to the players who are on loan. Connor McLennan at St. Johnston. He came off the bench for the last 25 minutes as St. Johnston were beaten 1-0 by Dundee United at McDermott. Kieran Nguenya. Uh, we just spoke about him. Started but substituted after just 32 minutes in their 1-0 win over Hamilton Ackes in the championship. That one looks like an injury. Tried to run it off but failed to do so. Just what you need. Evan Towler, an unused substitute as Cove, were thumped 6-1 by ACT in the championship. Tom Ritchie, a start for him and a first clean sheet for Peterhead as they drew 0-0 with Montrose in League One. Aaron Reid, we're just touching him, straight onto the bench for him for Elgin City. And what a start. Came off the bench in 56 minutes and he grabbed a last-minute winner as Elgin beat four for 1-0 at Station Park in League Two. And Dean Campbell, an unused sub as Stevenage beat Gillingham by one goal to nil League Two down south. Stevenage remaining second spot. They're now 12 points clear of fourth place, which is obviously the playoff place in League Two. As they hunt down automatic promotion, Steve Evans' big brown envelopes keep on keeping on in 2023. And I think, because there's no youth team news, there's no women's team news this week because neither of them have games, that means we can probably wrap up this first half of this episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Join us on the other side and we'll bring you our preview of Saturday's game against St. Johnston and we'll talk to Stuart Cosgrove as to what we can expect from the Perth Saints. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to our preview of the St. Johnston game, just want to give a quick shout out to the contributors to our ABZFP Beer and Coffee Fund. We see you. Your bread is much appreciated. If you'd like to help us keep fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. Shout us a beer or a coffee or a whiskey. It is absolutely much appreciated. Now... Really good response to our first installments of the My Favourite Game segment with Duncan Shearer, Martin Stone and Tom Watt. Um, for those of you who are just joining us, it's pretty simple. We'll get a mixture of fans, ex-players, managers, etc. onto the show to talk about your favourite Aberdeen game. If you would like to be involved, please hit us up on Twitter or email us at abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com with the game that you'd pick, why you've picked it. The reason you've picked it could be for any reason. It might be your first game, might be something silly about it, something sentimental, whatever. 
hit us up. We'll try and get you on the show to talk about it. Um, if nothing else, like Tom's pick last week, it can always provide you with a little bit of a smile on your face, if nothing else, as we collectively endure another torrid season of following the Reds. But now, Gav, let's take a look ahead to Saturday's fixture at home to St. Johnston as the Percy's travel to the Granite City for the first time this season, shall we? Yes, of course, yes. The return of the prodigal banker son. Indeed, well, he did He did miss the game against United uh, yesterday, so I'm not sure if that was injury or what that was, so who knows, perhaps, maybe not. A conveniently timed injury. Perhaps, yes, around the, uh, around the New Year schedule. It's a, it was indeed. a thing back in the day, wasn't it? It absolutely was. Uh, so St. Johnston travelled to Pitodry on Saturday in the midst of a three-game losing streak defeats to Celtic at Parkhead and two back-to-back defeats at home to Hearts. And Dundee United sees the Perth side slip down to seventh in the table, which is a bit of a downward turn for them because they had gone into the World Cup break on a run of five games undefeated. On the road, they do have the fourth best record in the division, played 10, won four, drawn one and lost five. The previous meeting between the sides at McDermott, of course, settled by a wonderful Leighton Clarkson free kick. All in all, this one is a much more solid campaign from St. Johnson so far after last season's horror show for them. Goals last season were a major, major issue for St. Johnston. That seems to have been addressed slightly. They've scored 24 in their 20 league games this season, which is still not loads, but it's definitely better than where they were last season, if you remember in the previews we did for St. Johnston games. 15 of those 24 goals have come from open play, five from set plays with three penalties and one own goal thrown into the mix. That's 24 goals to an expected goals of 18.7. So that is a decent return in terms of converting, but that XG is the fourth lowest in the division and they are averaging only three shots on target per game, which again is the fourth lowest in the, the division. So not really creating a huge amount of opportunities, um, but when they are, they are actually converting pretty well. Interestingly, they are definitely converting well from set plays. A set play expected goal of just 2.98 is the second lowest in the league but they have scored five from set play so that is a significant improvement on the xg nicky clark and once of this parish stevie may joint top scorers for st johnston on four apiece stevie may also with four assists to his name this season so he is perhaps the most productive player in the st johnston side shall we say perhaps not as solid at the back as you might expect their joint sixth in the division in terms of goals against they've conceded 30 goals in their 20 league games to date with only Aberdeen United Ross County Hibs and Kilmarnock with worse defensive records set pieces also looking like a potential weak spot for St Johnston they've conceded seven goals from set plays so far this season which is the fourth worst record in the league that's against a set piece expected goals against a 4.26 so there are definitely avenues to hurt St Johnston here but with Aberdeen having the fifth lowest set-piece expected goals in the league, perhaps easier said than done. That might be back to that analogy, Gad, you had about two wet paper bags meeting each other to give you collective shit. Remy Matthews in goals, statistically the worst goalkeeper in the league, a goals-prevented return of minus 7.1 across the season so far. So that means he has let in seven more goals than he should have so far. Top stuff. Kelrus mid-table here, uh, goals prevented return of minus 1.5. In terms of style of play, really, really similar to Ross Ketty. We touched on this in the Ross Ketty preview last time round. 
no holding on to the ball for particularly excessive periods of time. On average, they hold on to it for 5.72 seconds per sequence. That's the third lowest in the league. And they're only making, on average, 2.27 set passes per sequence. On average, I can see Gavin now counting five seconds. That's fucking horrendous. That's not great, is it? They have the third lowest number of 10-plus passing sequences in the league as well. They've only had 42 of those to date so far across their 20 games in the league. So that's, on average, two sequences of play where they put 10 passes together or more, two of them per game on average. I should again point out that I have no context for some of these statistics in my judgment. I'm kind of like Graham in the situation, but 5.72 on average, you're holding on to the ball. Yeah. That, I mean, God, why would I give them something like that when we were watching Stephen Glass's team? I mean, it's an average thing. So, you know, there are going to be times where it's much shorter where they're just shelling the ball up the park. I guess, yeah. I guess the keeper kicking the ball out from goal kick up to Stevie May, that, yeah. Does that still count as being in pure possession, though? Uh, well, you'd be a se- it would be a sequence of play, yeah. Uh, if Stevie May, what would he would? If he wins it. So, otherwise, yeah, it'll just be from the time the boy punted it. Yeah. So, you know, context is important, I guess. It is very important, yeah. Things, I'd, but... we'll, we'll need to find out what like, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona's average sequence time was yeah uh, i can have a look at like we'll have a look at man city's for you at some point just to give you a rough idea why, about why not yes what that actually means anyway in terms of defensive um actions again they are the least pressing team in the league a ppda gav passes per defensive action of 15.3 ties them with livingston as being the most passive side in the league so they are or passes per defensive assault if murray davidson's playing <laughs> yeah well quite um not that type of player though not that type of player definitely not. so they're definitely going to sit in and just mm-hmm. let you play whilst try to time their defensive pressure and that is also borne out in their zones of control uh i can see gav just doing a hilarious look at the graphic here of their zones of control for st johnston um they're giving up lots of territory and letting you have play of the ball which is exactly what we saw from ross county um over the course of uh, Monday night as well. So, so I, I'm expecting something very, very, very similar. But that's that's the data in in a nutshell. But I guess, Gav, what do we really know about St. Johnston? What do we, what do we know about St. Johnston? Um, we know that they have at least three ex-Aberdeen players in the ranks. Yes. That likely could play in, in Stevie May, Bankery's favourite son, and the ever-present Adam Montgomery. Of course. Yes. Of course, Connor McLennan will be ineligible. Yes. On account of the uh, the Liam Scales rule. So we don't have to worry about that. Unless it gets turned into a permanent transfer within the next couple of days. Which, you know, wouldn't... You know, stranger things have happened. Um, you know, cliche central. I mean, we know what St. Johnston could come up here and do. I think they will probably set up in a very similar way to, to Ross County. I find it hard to believe they won't be more aggressive than Ross County were in their pressing. I think they'll also. I think they'll stick with. They've they've predominantly played with a three four one two type system. They've played May and Clark together. I think they'll stick with two up top. Well, I was going to say because they're two pretty you know guys who are not shy of doing their defensive work either. Yeah, um, yeah. and they'll provide a whole lot more mobility than um, Jordan White. I think his name is for County did. Uh, that guy is <laughs> that guy is not bursting at the seams with uh, with running. Let's just say nope. that. Um, so I think they'll you know they'll do what they can to press as high up, get you know Anthony Stewart scales on the ball as much as possible, and 
see what they can work out from there, whether that's just, you know, getting possession higher up the park uh, with a throw-in or, you know, overturning us and getting a goal that way. So I'm I'm more concerned, I think, because I think they will come here and try and pose more of a threat whilst, you know, retaining the kind of solid defensive structure that we've struggled to break down recently. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you want to see a comparison. Uh, Manchester City's average sequence time is 15.62 seconds. So three times as three long. times as long. Yeah. It's not as long as I would have thought, but yeah. Well, yeah, but again, it's it's an average, isn't it? So it's, yeah. you know, it's... I know, I know. It's fair. It is what it is. Um, anyway, yeah, so that, that's the data. That I, I don't watch Lawson Johnson, funnily enough. Um, I think you're probably in the same boat as me, Gavin. Like, I mean, one. the nice thing is for the cup game with Rangers, neither will some of the Johnson fans. True, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Forgot all about that. Um, not a good look. Not great. I wonder how negotiations are going for just changing the venue to Ibrox. I know you might as well. I mean, it's, you get if if that's that's an interesting point actually, because clearly this has been designed around just trying to milk as much money as they possibly can out of it. So if you're yep. going to do that, why not just say, well, we'll just switch the game? There's enough precedence there for that to happen. So just say you'll switch it to Ibrox and you'll take a 50-50 share of a thirty thousand attendance or something. I don't know, bizarre stuff. I just don't understand that concept. That I, I get it on one end about like they just want to make as much money as they possibly can and they're maybe looking at that and going you know probably means our cup run finishes here but at the same time St John's to beat Rangers at Denver well, Park not that long ago just so gonna, just gonna say this is a something that just very recently won the double yeah yeah it's just so to have that kind of lack of confidence and sheer deference I mean I, I know somewhere in the world Caddy Arneson wherever he was his <laughs> old firm bullshit deference spidey sense was tingling um yeah um I feel as much as I can for for uh, St. Johnston fans when it comes to that decision yeah. from their board. Absolutely. But yeah, we don't watch St. Johnston an awful lot. So we decided the best thing to do is probably to sit down with somebody who does watch them a little bit more frequently than we do to get a feel for just what we can expect from the Perth Saints on Saturday, how their season is going more generally, whether they are all happy with Calm Davidson, etc., etc. So we sat down with well-known St. Johnston fan, um, Scottish media footballing royalty, shall we say, in the form of the one and only Mr. Stuart Cosgrove to get his thoughts on Saturday. Stuart Cosgrove, welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. How's it going? Very good indeed. Thank you very much for inviting me. A pleasure to chat to you. Uh, hey, the pleasure's all ours. The pleasure is absolutely all ours. Listen, obviously, Stuart, we, um, we're going to get you on for a chat about the upcoming Aberdeen-St. Johnson game in January. Um, a bit of a kind of warning, I guess, for our listeners. We're recording this in the aftermath of Aberdeen's debacle against Rangers um, on the 20th of December. So there's a little bit of football to be played before the two teams meet. So it's always a little bit difficult, I think, to try and gauge what's going to happen between now and then. Yeah, I guess just um, to start things off, how how do you perceive St Johnston's season to have gone so far? Well, thus far, it's been uh, a pretty... Um, I mean, it's been a pretty good season and we're only as we speak, um, one point off third place. So for us at any time in our history, you would have taken that. I guess probably what's not out of the woods yet is that we had a poor season last season and stayed up by virtue of the playoffs, um, albeit comfortably in the end. But nonetheless, that gave a lot of people uh, a deep kind of ill feeling about the squad and its age and, you know, a whole range of different things like that. And, of course, we'd um, had our great season winning the double cups and then uh, went to defend the cup away at Kelty and made a real hash of it, got beat one nothing, And there was quite a lot of people gathering round Callum Davidson saying, is it gone too far? Should we move on? 
I, I was very much um, of the belief that there was still life there, but I, I was probably just about in the minority. And uh, we've even actually got a talk in one of our websites today about whether uh, you know people were too rash. And there's quite a lot of people still there saying, no, 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 they're at the core of the argument still remains, you know, is our squad strong enough? And we are, are there too many players of age um, that we need to kind of maybe think about moving on in a year's time or two seasons' time? You know, are we comfortably in this league? And currently we're, you know, as I say, we're comfortably top six. So I'll take what we've got, but with reservations. It's definitely an interesting one because when we did the preview uh, for the for the meeting between the sides earlier in the in the season, I think at that point as well we just had a really rough League Cup group stage. Yeah. Obviously knocked out the League Cup in the group stages, and I think at that point as well there was still a lot of reservations again about Cam Davidson, in particular about recruitment in the summer because you had very much gone down the line of experience, age. You know that's what had kind of come through, but it yeah. seemed. In one hand, that that's actually paid off now in, in recent weeks. That that experience has kind of helped a little bit. I think it has, and this may uh, this may pain Aberdeen fans, but Andy Considine has been one of our best buys in in the sense that he's given us a degree of solidity at the back. And you know, we've got a young guy, Alec Mitchell, who's up on loan from uh, Millwall. He's only twenty one, but he's a pretty kind of traditional, rugged centre back. So we're, we're we're in a stronger position there than we've been. For some time, I mean, I think if there's, a, I think if there's a, a reservation like Aberdeen, we've actually got a fairly decent youth academy and mm-hmm. young players that kind of come through. But currently, a very, very good under seventeen team or you know Scottish Cup challengers and things like that. But in the end, what's the evidence of all of that coming through? In our double winning team, I think seven of our double winning team had come from our academy. Yeah. Um, you know, Jason Kerr, Ali McCann, you know, uh, Callum Henry, Xander Clark. That wouldn't be the case now. You'd be struggling to name one or two, maybe, you know. Has Davison, I, I, I don't watch a lot of St. Johnston. I'm not going to pretend yeah. I do. Um, has, has Davison kind of shifted, do you think, in terms of philosophy, in terms of the way he's trying to make St. Johnston play this season? Or is it still very... Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think we're a more, I, I think that we're a more, slightly more attack-minded team. I, I wouldn't say that we're kind of, you know, Kylian Mbappe or anything like that, but we're 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 certainly kind of more attack minded. And maybe the big difference is now that we've bought Nicky Clark for Dundee United as a kind of foil to Stevie May, who probably is his best when he's playing two up front. Yeah. Um, and he's been uh, again a good good player for us. I know uh, Aberdeen fans will have kind of mixed feelings about that, but you know Stevie's been a real kind of legend for the club. And, you know, he's a local boy. He's come through since age 13 through our academy. And it was only really when he got injured down in England that there was a kind of question mark over his... Um, I mean, he was a Scotland cap by then. And yeah. I think he had a wee bit of a bad time at Aberdeen. Not horrendous, but not in any way as good as he's been with St. Johnson. Which raises the question about whether some teams are right for you, you know. I think there's definitely a lot to say about that. And I think the thing with me with Stevie May at Aberdeen was I never felt we played in a way that played to his strengths, which yeah. is playing with the two up top. He needs to play with somebody. He's never been a guy who can play up top by himself. Yeah. And there was a small run when uh, he and Sam Cosgrove were doing really, really well together. And you were like, oh, brilliant, here we go. And then we took Greg Stewart back on loan for a second time. And Derek McInnes just seemed insistent he had to shoehorn Greg Stewart into the team. We completely yeah. changed shape and May just dropped out of the team again. And that was kind of the end of that. I'm, I'm one of these Aberdeen fans that thinks 
I thought we could have got a lot more out of Stevie May if we'd played his strengths more yeah. than more than what we did. Yeah, and one one of the, one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't notice about Stevie's overall performance, this would be true also to a lesser extent of Dre Wright, a right wing back, is they're actually really really quite good defensive players. Mm-hmm. Stevie, the shift that he puts in, and he's the guy that gets you the turnovers and the blocks and the little kind of pestering thing. We got our our, our goal the other night. Uh, or other day rather at Ross County by virtue of him pestering the centre-back who pulled him down, got sent off and from there we we dominated the game and won it, you know yeah. and it was a big, I, th- I felt that was a big result as well for St John's to just come back Huge. off the World Cup break that 1-0, you know, being 1-0 down coming back to turn around 2-1 in this league, that's massive at the moment because mm. there's such fine yeah. margins between you know, third and I think third and eighth at the moment is separated yeah. by just five points. I think it is. Yeah. So it's, you, it's you know, you mentioned Sam Cosgrove there. Now, obviously, I have a vested interest in the young man because uh, we share a surname. But the irony of the situation is when I went to university down in Yorkshire, I was at Hull University for a period, and the local kind of village where the university campus was was in a village called Beverly in Yorkshire, which is where Sam Cosgrove was born. Right? I, yeah, I've always kind of wondered. You know how, how can that be? What what's his lineage? Am I where am I related to him? And uh, so I always have a kind of wry smile uh, when I hear the name Sam Cosgrove. You know, there we go. And actually, there was a pre-season friendly, or maybe even a benefit match for uh, it was at McDermott, and uh, a friend of mine, Davy McDonald, was just along for me, and he'd completely forgotten. Uh, what and then but a wee bit of fouling going on, and he just jumped up and said, Cosgrove, you're a fucking wanker, right? <laughs> and I, do you know, when I hear him, I look away, right, don't say that about me. You know? What have I done this time? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, I meant to say, because obviously, you guys have got Con McLennan on loan yes. from us as well at the moment. How's Connor doing? I saw he's been on the bench a lot, and I saw he came off the bench at the weekend. Um, I'm not going to say he turned it around, but within 10 minutes of him being on the pitch, he'd gone from 1-0 to 2-1. So. <laughs> yeah, he, he he comes on with 10 or 15 to go. He, I, I think he's actually been consistently, you would be giving him 7s out of 10 for that period that he's mm-hmm. on. So, yeah, I mean, uh, pretty good. And he's been a, a benefit to us. Um, and I, I think in lots of ways, you know, he's not going to be necessarily up there in the kind of higher echelons of... Aberdeen St Johnson stars like Paddy Buckley or something like that, but he's certainly a player that's got a bit of respect around the club, and I think Callum likes him. You know, he sees something that's slightly different in him, mm-hmm. and we we're playing now where uh, a lot of our players, and particularly our strikers, are really told you're 65 minutes, then you're off. And um, so Stevie May runs himself into the ground yeah. and then maybe Connor will come on or uh, Theo Bear, who uh, is another one of the young players that comes on for the last 10 minutes, whatever. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see how St. Johnston approach, I think, the game of Pataudry as well in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Because I'm just looking through your fixtures now until until we get to there. So Celtic away on Saturday, Christmas Eve, uh, then at home at heart. So it's a, it's a tough couple of games there. And then a, a local derby with United on the 2nd of January before you, yeah. you visit Pataudry. Do you think, though, that, I mean, Callum Davidson, I presume like a lot of managers in the SPFL now, we're probably looking at Aberdeen after the last two performances in particular and thinking there's maybe a bit of mental fragility in there. And, you know, how do you how do you try and attack that and approach that? I think that might be the case, but, he, you know, he's quite a cautious guy, Callum. And he tends to like, um, he likes his wing backs to be 
able to both defend and go forward. So uh, he won't be able to play against Celtic. But Adam Montgomery is currently on loan from Celtic. Yeah. It would be our our left wing back and uh, Dre right on the right. They're both players that are very, very capable of beating a man and getting crosses into the box. But when they have to track, track back, they can do. Um, and in some respects, I think they give us a degree of solidity. We would then normally play, I think certainly up at Pitodri, we would play with three in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the back five, as it were. And then it's all down to who are the ones that get the midfield uh, jobs. And the person who's kind of shone in the last two weeks, a young guy called Daniel Phillips, who's um, on loan from Crystal Palace. Now, Daniel's, I mean, he's only 19, 20. And, I mean, he, he literally has uh, legs like tree trunks. And he's your classic holding midfield player. I mean, he's a guy that will kind of chase down the ball, get, regain possession. He's got a wee bit of sweet football in him and that. And I think he'll start at Pataudry. Okay. In terms of then just where you think St. Johnson's season goes from here, I mean, the league's so congested, but what would what would constitute success this season for St. Johnson, given, like you say, how disastrous last campaign was? Is a kind of top six? Is that the aim, do you think? Yeah, I think, I think top six would look to us to have been a very, very good season. And I don't necessarily mean because you get the extra hundred grand or whatever, you know, all that kind of uh, arithmetic, because there's quite a bit of money at the bank at St. Johnson. It's more about it's more about your kind of status and self-belief as a club. Yeah. Um, so in that respect, I think that anything sixth or upwards, uh, I think there's always a little bit of the St. Johnson fans. We've had great times in Europe over the years, not quite Gothenburg, but certainly kind of, you know, moments where uh, as a group of fans, there's been great away days. Yeah. And I think there's always a yearning for that little European uh, draw. And that would be, I don't know what we would need to get, probably fifth or fourth or fifth. Uh, to do that, and that'd be tough, but worth the, worth the ambition. Absolutely, definitely. We touched on him earlier on just briefly, but I mean, let's just quickly talk about Andy Considine, if we can. Because yeah. obviously Andy left Pataudry in, uh, let's call it slightly controversial circumstances, yeah. probably the best way to put it. Um, for what it's worth, I actually think the club were probably right at the time to only offer Andy a one-year deal. I think there was a lot of question marks there yeah. about his ability to come back from what was a serious, serious injury that he suffered in, in Azerbaijan for Aberdeen last season. But he's gone on to play. I think he's played every minute of, of league football anyway for St. Johnston. What is he adding, do you think, to the St. Johnston kind of setup? I think the first and foremost, um, he, he adds a, a very big bit of experience in an area of the pitch where experience is king. Um, so you forget that although Liam Gordon's our club captain, Liam's still only about 24, 23, 24, and Alec Mitchell, who's on loan from Millwall, is 21. So it's a very, very young central defence. And I think Andy gives us that sense of kind of, you know, the the very experienced guy who's been across the, uh, the path. Um, I think that he's... Um, you know he, he he's he's good. He's been good for us in the air. He's great at blocking, and and so in lots of ways, I think he's been more than maybe anybody a signing that I had some doubts about, reflecting the doubts that you've just mentioned. But nonetheless, I mean, he's proven me wrong. I, I think if I've got something I would say about Andy, I kind of felt a wee bit that he got slightly cheated. Uh, when he dropped out the Scotland squad because he delivered them, yes, sir, I can boogie. And suddenly he's nowhere getting capped anymore. And he had every right to say, my copyright, that one. You know? <laughs> I know, I must admit, there was part of me thought he should just be taken into the Scotland squad for the Euros. 
purely just for that alone. I mean, yeah, exactly. Just even if he was there to bring on the hamper boys or whatever, you know, yeah, exactly. Egg, you know. Absolutely. Listen, Stuart, I know you you said before we started recording, you're suffering a wee bit with a cold, sore throat, etc. So we can we can wrap things up here because it's been great just to get a chat and get a bit of insight to where yeah. St. Johnston are at at the moment. Um, just if you want to, if you if you feel like it, would you want to venture a prediction for um for the game in, in early January? Okay, so, so here's my thinking. We've actually got a pretty decent track record against Aberdeen and to some extent particularly at, at Pitbottry. <laughs> yeah. I remember very vividly a great Sunday away day we had when we qualified for Europe. We ended up, uh, it was Chrissy Kane that got the goal. He came yes. on as sub. Yeah. And I remember that day vividly. And uh, there's actually a photograph that uh, I tease people because we had this big St. Johnson flag at Pitbottry. And as we were coming back home, uh, through Dundee, we decided to jump off with the St. Johnson flag at Dundee Station and bottles of champagne and we were shaking them. We were in Europe. And there's a photograph and all you can see is all of my mates and then there's a head that you can't uh, you can't see and all you can see is a pair of trainers and it, it's my body. But I then put out that Joe Shognessy had come down with us because we'd just signed him from Aberdeen that yeah. day. And it went viral that Joe Shognessy was with the St. Johnson away day party and whatever. So I remember that game. That was a, a brilliant, brilliant game. Uh, and of course, we've won some remarkable games. I think we won a 5-1. We won 5-0 at Perth. We've got good, good results against Aberdeen. So I'm not going to be that greedy, but I'm going to go St. Johnson back on form Jim Goodwin slightly rattled, not taking the criticism too well. One nothing, St. Johnson. Excellent. There we go. Excellent, Stuart. I love it because no one ever comes on and predicts that their team's going to get beat at end. This is what I love. And whenever yeah. I go into like Celtic or Rangers pods and they're like, "What's the score going to be?" They're like three 0 Aberdeen. Easy, yeah. no problem. Love it, Stuart. Listen, it's been an absolute privilege getting to talk to you about this. Um, Pleasure. Look forward to the game in January, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep in touch. We'll see you again soon. All the best. Cheers. On your reds. <laughs> There we go, Gav. Um, after hearing from Stuart, after going through the data, um, time to venture a prediction for the visit of St. Johnston on Saturday. Afternoon. Oh, I love I love these moments. Um, I got it right this week. I said 0-0, Ross County. Did you? I did, yep. I could have sworn you backed a 1-0 County win, but hey. I think I said 0-0. Maybe that was good aim. Um, Wish I'd put it on the bookies. <laughs> How did your accumulator work out anyway? It didn't. It didn't. Hibs let me down by not scoring. Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Big fan of Lee Johnson this week, by the way. Have you seen his his post-match <laughs> press conference? Uh, was this him about slamming the team and slamming mediocrity and all that kind of stuff? Uh, sick to the back teeth of, the me- of our mediocrity in the final third. Good look. And also uh, slated based on the club hierarchy and ownership for them not having given Ryan Portis a longer-term deal before. So that looks to me like a man who knows he's getting sacked and is just going out all guns blazing. Well, I mean, you know, you can take that kind of chat about standards from a manager if he's not been spending the last like week or so talking about how much better Celtic are than you. True. Indeed. Indeed. Anyway, prediction. Remember when ex Don Cedo Chris Maguire celebrating in his face? That was funny. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. I think I've got a funny feeling that despite kind of all the evidence suggests otherwise that we're actually going to come away with a a bit of a performance in this week and I think we might have one or two bodies in by that point I'm not basing on any any knowledge as such I've just got a feeling that we're gonna 
get one or two in uh, to bolster the squad. I think with the Rangers game following on, we're going to get something and just shift the mood ever so slightly to be a bit more positive ahead of Hamden. So I think we're going to win this game by three goals to one. Wow. Gav's gone balls out here. Um, I think we'll persist with the same shape as we did for County, but maybe have more appropriate players in (laughs) each position. And yeah, I think we'll, I think Miofsky is going to get back on the goal trail. He's going to get two goals off the back of one penalty off the back of Considine being all over him, hauling the shirts and all those classic Considine tricks. And then I think we'll get another goal from Ramadani. We'll get another one. 3 1 Aberdeen. Lovely stuff. Uh, I am going to go Aberdeen 1, St Johnston 1, a fairly turgid affair again. And we head to Hamden the following week with a lot of despair about what's about to come. Um, there we go. That's a wonderfully depressing way to finish this one off. I think that'll do us, eh, Gav? That's us for now. Another one in the can. Exactly. So that does wrap up this week's episode of the APZ the Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. Please remember to like, subscribe, or follow whatever you do on your podcast player of choice. Uh, kudos to Spotify. They appear to have sorted their shit out now and have our podcast going up relatively quickly. Well done, lads. Join us next week for episode 80. Um, where we're going to look back on our clash with St. Johnston before we preview our Premier Sports, Via Play, uh, League via Cup, play. <laughs> Via Play, via League play. Cup, Via Play, League Cup, semi-final at Hamden with Scotland's newest side. Look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with the Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.